Hello and welcome to Sage's Perspectives on the Future 2019 conference. Uh, we're here today with uh, Chris Merker, uh, financial advisor and director with the private asset management group of Robert W. Baird & Co. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for your uh, time today at the conference and your presentation. Perhaps we should uh, just uh, start by asking you uh, the basic question, really, of how big is the asset pool in the United States and, and, and what's the demographics of it and you know who manages it? So if we measure that simply on the basis of outstanding securities, it's in excess of $100 trillion globally. Uh, it's more if we include private investments. Most of it's owned by governments, which own much of their own debt, public pension systems, and sovereign wealth funds. It's then followed by significant amounts owned by foundation, endowment, and corporate pension. Here in the U.S., assets owned by the traditional big four, public and corporate pensions, foundations, and endowments, adds up to somewhere about $28 trillion. Um, the remainder falls into the retail or private wealth category, and so the family office would be on the high end. Um, which is quasi-institutional, and the rest is on the lower end of brokerage-managed accounts. And then, of course, there's all the 401ks. The bottom line is that the vast majority of assets is overseen by these small cluster groups we refer to as boards and investment committees, which concentrate responsibility to a select chosen few of about 1.5% one per- one of the working population. So that's less than a million and a half people here who would classify as governance fiduciaries. There's a whole lot of other people involved, primarily from industry, but these are the folks to, you know, with whom the buck stops. Uh, that's basically who's, and they're, they're a heterogeneous group. They're from every walk of life, and that's why governance is so important. Are most people in the United States uh, prepared for retirement? Uh, how, how, how do you view the sort of landscape from that perspective? Shockingly, it's just under half the population that doesn't even have a retirement account open, um, whether it's an IRA or a 401k, which means that a high percentage is expecting Social Security to cover them in retirement. So you might look at that and assume a fair amount of young people make up that group. So nothing we should worry about, right? The fact of the matter is, when we break down the stats on the group closest to retirement, ages 55 to 64, the picture really doesn't improve much. Two-thirds haven't saved more than one year's worth of salary. And while no one knows exactly what the future looks like, economists have estimated that the gap to cover minimal spending needs in retirement for current and future retirees is somewhere between seven and 14 trillion. So those are big numbers, which a growing chorus of policymakers and researchers are now calling a crisis. We are seeing this crisis play out already in a number of locales across the United States where municipal budgets are already under pressure. For example, there's been a major bankruptcy every year and a number of minor ones too in places such as Detroit and Stockton, California uh, and other systems that are under duress from Connecticut to Chicago. So So the signs, the cracks in the system of this undersaved population are already starting to manifest. What about those with uh, with pension plans, defined benefit plans? Are they are they in a much better shape? So those who have one, um, which is about 34 million Americans, can expect their pension to cover about 25 to 50 percent of their living expenses in retirement. That's of course assuming the current state of benefits continues without future reductions. For many, though, uh, and this has especially happened on the corporate side, there's been a steady wave of conversion from defined benefit to defined contribution plans since the night. There's very few pensions that are left. They're frozen or they're closed. Um, so it's really not that many. Most, most Americans, uh, most younger Americans certainly, are going to sort of have to fund their own retirements. You've talked about uh, the five imperatives of 21st century investing. Um, perhaps you could just uh, give us a brief overview of what those are. It starts, it begins... Uh, continues and ends with governance. So that's, that's the overarching imperative. Uh, but within that, 
there are uh, additional areas that deserve some additional focus or consideration. And uh, the first of that is to be knowledgeable. You know, there's a certain degree of knowledge. We were just talking about that with respect to um, sort of board self-evaluation. What are we? What are we doing? What are we thinking about as a board? Um, that's that's an important area. Uh, what level of knowledge does a, a trustee have to possess? Uh, how much should training, which everyone does, you know, basically once a year, uh, where that where should that be targeted? Should we be talking about, um, you know? Uh, modern portfolio theory, or we should be f focusing more on fiduciary responsibility. I mean, these are the, the sort of questions I think that come up with respect to knowledge. Uh, thirdly is uh, to be disciplined. And what does that mean, being disciplined? Uh, it means separa separating out the functions from uh, the investment area to the board area, understanding what that list looks like, how it should be addressed. Um, and then, you know, addressing issues like cost control. I mean, how, how important is that? How much does that play a role in terms of what uh, a board should be uh, focusing on? Uh, then I would say beyond discipline, there's also uh, this, this fifth category, and that's uh, be impactful. And I think that's on everybody's minds now with respect to the ESG issues that have surfaced over the last uh, decade or more. Um, that's, that's added, frankly, an additional component to what boards now have to think about. Uh, it's, it's added complexity to what they, what they have to think about. Um, but it's also important. I think everybody recognizes uh, the, the value and importance, and so that's, that's really that, that fifth area. Just uh, in conclusion, there seems to be a lot of causes for concern in terms of uh, the investment portfolio of the country, as it were. Um, is there uh, light at the end of the tunnel? Are there any signs of changes uh, on a positive note that people are starting to be aware of the fact that they're not fully prepared from the investment side and that changes are taking place? Or is it still um, going the, the wrong way? One of the things that I do uh, on a voluntary basis, uh, and I, I co-founded uh, the, the CFA Society Milwaukee Foundation, which is a foundation for financial literacy. And I'm, we're very much involved with a, an organization called Secure Futures, which provides financial literacy education at the high school level um, across southeastern Wisconsin, parts of northern Illinois. If you look at what's happening just within financial literacy, and this is sort of early starting at the very beginning for people, like how are they going to be able to, to, to manage the, their, their savings and investments for the rest of their lives? Um, it, is, it is a groundswell happening, okay? In uh, 2018, I think 29 states had either passed or had on the docket financial literacy, mandatory financial literacy education. That's great news. That's great news that uh, everyone's become more aware of the fact that People, frankly, haven't been equipped. Our society hasn't equipped them, and we've, we've been asking more of them. Um, but the, the bad news is that it's going to take time. Uh, just establishing these programs requires uh, teachers to have time in their, in their curriculum to, to provide that level of education. And frankly, the teachers themselves who haven't received that training, how do they provide that education? And so that's where I think uh, organizations like Secure Futures are coming in and filling that gap. Uh, of bringing investment professionals like ourselves uh, to the table and, and providing that education. Uh, that's where it needs to start. Um, and uh, beyond that, I think there's obviously policy things going on, you know, expanding uh, 401k programs to small business. That's been, you know, obviously government. There's a number of things that are in the works. Uh, there's a lot more to do, though. Chris, uh, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate your insights. And um, thank you again.
My pleasure.